Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Solutions Project, the podcast where we get to know health industry innovators working to improve cost, quality, and health outcomes and enhance patient and clinician satisfaction. I'm Don Siemens and today I'm joined by an innovative thinker who is helping companies disrupt the healthcare system. And we all know it needs some disruption. Cynthia Kilroy. Cynthia, welcome to the Healthcare Solutions Project. Hi, Don. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to chat with you. Great to connect and, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. Me too. Cynthia has been working as a healthcare consultant and an executive for more than 25 years at the forefront of helping organizations participate in shifting economics of healthcare from fee-for-service to value-based outcomes. She and I got to know each other close to 10 years ago, and I loved having conversations with her about where healthcare was moving and how we could rationalize the system. So when I started this podcast, Cynthia, you were among the first people I contacted, and you know it's been a few months. We've been doing some back and forth, but I'm really glad to have you on the program. Well, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you, and just I think uh, we've worked together and have produced a lot together, and yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, this discussion. I'm sure we'll go down a lot of different avenues. Uh, I hope so. We've done a lot of fun projects. So one of the things I appreciate about you is your clarity of vision. I'd heard about this value-based care idea close to 10 years ago, probably eight or nine years ago. And you were probably the first person that was able to articulate for me its potential. So I wanted to ask you, what was your first experience with value-based care? How did you become an expert in it? So I started in value-based care in around 2008, 2009. I had the opportunity to work with a pretty progressive health plan hmm. um, on the West Coast. Um, and what we were looking uh, at doing was really, you know, driving value. You know, there was, that was the start of some of the discussions around affordability. There was discussions around, you know, ACA and making sure that individuals were, you know, insured. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the goals that we were trying to achieve were there were a couple. Um, one was to create better relationships with the physicians, right, mm-hmm. from a health plan perspective. Right. And just really a lot of that had to do with how do we share information um, and how do we uh, participate. Some of the programs that were in place at the time from the health plan uh, perspective really created, you know, friction right, mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. patient and with the provider. And so that was one thing that we were really looking at doing. Another one was, as I said, was around affordability. And it was just not around managing costs. You know, it was really around not withholding care. So I think a lot of the, you know, predecessors to this was capitation and, you know, there was, there was you know, gatekeepers and withholding of care. That's not what we were doing. We were actually looking at how do we look at wellness? How do we think about chronic conditions and care management in, in a much more um, you know, integrative way working with the physician? Um, how do we think about working um, with hospital, thinking about it from an inpatient perspective? So we were looking at, you know, a lot of it came out of, we didn't want to actually increase our, um, our rates for health plan members. And so this was the whole catalyst. Um, for that. And then the other one was is that we really wanted to use data to create transparency to the providers and to our partners and really understanding what I like to call hyperlocal, what was the needs of a particular area or a particular segment uh, within the community. Um, and so that was really the catalyst for um, that. And then as, you know, as I matured and I took a role. I was at Optum for several years, uh, driving value-based care, mm-hmm. um, and I've continued on uh, focused on that. 
was really around, not just around the care, but how do we bring technology in to support the delivery of care? Right. So I find that most people, when they get into healthcare, there's sometimes a catalyst that brings them into the healthcare industry. What was it for you? What brought you into healthcare? Well, it's funny. I came out of college. I have an undergrad in technology. Hmm. Um, and I really, at, at the time, I was thinking, you know, how can I use technology? But, you know, that was 25 years ago. <laughs> I want to laugh and say like COBOL, right? Now look right. at where we are today, right? No doubt. Uh, it's all around digital. You know, I was thinking, how do we apply that? How do we improve some of the workflows? Um, and I, I have uh, family members that are physicians, mm. and I think that became near and dear to my heart um, in the sense of just thinking about how can we make the healthcare system better, um, you know, for physicians and then for their patients. I, I mm. think people sometimes don't realize that a, a lot, many physicians, if not all physicians, really, you know, it's, it's, they, they give their heart and soul. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of administrative things that, you know, is, are challenging for physicians to take them away from really, you know, their, their, their life's work of, of, you know, providing care and, and helping people be healthy. So I think, um, you know, that's, that's really where the catalyst came from. I love that. So you've written a few things that I want to discuss at some depth with you. This is a quote from your bio. You say, I believe the key to reimagining healthcare is a foundational understanding of how every piece of the healthcare system works and collaborating with leaders in the industry to redefine ecosystems and leverage technology to deliver personalized care to individuals. So I want to break that down a little bit. The thing that kind of stood out to me yeah. was let's uh, redefining the healthcare ecosystem. And I've actually thought about this concept lately. We, the, the, the term ecosystem is used quite a bit in relation to healthcare. And it seems like ecosystems are a lot more seamless than healthcare is. It, it seems to me, and, and, and let me just try to give a different analogy. Healthcare today, and I know you're talking about the future, but healthcare today is more like a landscape of farms and fences and silos mm that you know sometimes the owners of the farms and the silos work together sometimes they're friendly with each other sometimes they're not sometimes they share sometimes they trade sometimes they don't how can healthcare well maybe you should just define the term ecosystem for me how can right. healthcare become an ecosystem well and i just i want to um just piggyback off what you said i agree it's not seamless today i think you know, we focus on things like, you know, what's, you know, the public, what's private uh, healthcare, we did what's digital versus what's physical, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about product or service, you know, we think about healthy and unhealthy. And it's like, we, we bifurcate all that out, we create silos, we create solutions for that, we don't, we don't connect across all of those, right? right. So how do we interconnect them, right? Because right now, as you said, the systems are disparative, there's misaligned incentives, um, there's, you know, health inequity is, is, you know, top of mind for a lot of people. And yeah. a lot of the care is not personalized, right? And mm -hmm. so how do we rethink that? So when I think about ecosystems, I spent the last two years really thinking about that and driving some strategy, um, both where I previously was and then um, now working with, them, um, you know, a lot of my customers is how do we think about new possibilities, right? And integrating, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, and upending uh, mm -hmm. the traditional boundaries, 
uh, across stakeholders, across products and services. And how we do that is we think about using digital platforms. We use, you know, interoperability, the Internet of Things, but we also need to be able to think about new ways of delivering care in the continuum, right? Um, and so, you know, that's the way I think about it. Um, so I'll give you an example. So mm. I'm actually working on a project right now where um, we are we are looking at prior authorizations. It's a real it's it's a real manual process for a it's lot a of providers. Problem. I appreciate why health plans want to do it because you want to make sure that it's the, the appropriate uh, you know care that's delivered. Uh, but a lot of those guidelines are just guidelines, right? They're not personalized. They're hmm. um, you know they're they're boundaries. Um, a lot of denials happen around that. And so, how do we think about bringing clinical decision support into that at the point of care? So, as a physician is, you know, looking to do a treatment, um, how do we think about looking at historical information and the guidelines and making decisions around, you know, this is the right and appropriate uh, care for that individual, and we've personalized it. And I think cancer is a really good example of that, right? Because your genetics. Um, certain guidelines and then, you know, how an individual wants to be treated and their individual goals all need to come together. And it's just not, it's not just around faxing in a prior off and checking the box. It's really around making sure that we're doing the right care. Mm. So how do we think about doing that? Um, and I think, you know, ecosystems really, you know, I think about it as you've, you've talked about, we have competitors that then become friendly, right? We have, yeah. um, we've had people that don't want interoperability, right? You know, we have a lot of closed systems. A lot of the, you know, the EMRs, um, you know, are closed. You know, some of the other big, you know, claim systems are closed. So how do we think about beyond a particular company's boundaries? How do we think about delivering health to an individual? How do we, we've got to think about partners and, you know, partners, you know, can be all different types, right? We need to yeah. be thinking about it. Maybe this partner is right for this type of, 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 a, of a consumer or an individual and their care versus another one. So it's gotta be dynamic in the sense of how do we pull that in? Mm -hmm. um, we've also gotta think about unique product and services combinations. Right now it's very static and it's like you go through this process. So I think we're getting there. And then obviously I talked about the data integration, right? standardization but right now there's so much silos um, uh, but I think we're starting to see some of the disruptors you know uh, driving more of these digital platforms let's talk about those disruptors what are some things that you think we can do today to make healthcare more interconnected well I, I, I talked a little bit about the interoperability and standardizing the data and how do we share that you know thinking about open systems right? Mm. Uh, as I heard earlier, a lot of these systems are closed, right? Mm. Um, and people feel it as a competitive advantage, but it's not a competitive advantage if you're not serving your customer right, and they're not getting the right care, because mm -hmm. it actually creates, you know, costs further down, you know, down the system. Um, and so I think, you know, when I think about how, you know, some ideas around that, um, it's connecting the process, the data, and the people, and that's the physicians and the individual. Uh, bringing all that information into, you know, into the decision making. So I know there's a lot of hype around social storms of health, but I think there is, you know, there's a need. We've, we haven't thought about that. Um, with digital health now with COVID, you know, for a long time, it wasn't covered. Now it's covered. Now it's part of the continuum, right? 
Um, we are now, you know, we have we see clinical, you know, partners that we would have never seen before. We see pharmaceutical companies that are looking at, you know, vaccines or treatments. Um, you know, and so I think that's, you know, some of the things that I think how we can become more connected. Hmm. Um, and then bringing in the individual's goals, what they want out of their care. You mentioned COVID. Do you think COVID has made healthcare? I mean, it's a huge disruptor. I mean, there's no, there's just no getting around it. It's a huge disruptor for everyone, especially the healthcare system. Do you think it's made us more or less like us being the healthcare system, the healthcare industry, more or less like an ecosystem? I think it's starting to go there. So one of the things that I've seen with, um, you know, some of my customers and then some of the folks that I talk to is that innovation is happening much quicker now. You know, it used to take five years to get some pilots, you know, off the ground and approved and then maybe even expanded. You know, it's kind of like new new clinical, you know, new clinical protocols. You know, they I've read articles where it sometimes takes 17 years to like, disseminate throughout the system. Now what you're seeing is you're seeing faster, quicker innovation where, you know, now you're seeing three to six months, you're seeing different partnerships, um, you know, evolve. Uh, so that you're breaking down those you know those boundaries. We talked a little bit about telehealth, right? So right now the pendulum swung the other side, right? You know what is it? 60, 70 percent of you know visits now are telehealth. Hmm. Yeah, that pendulum's going to come back. But prior to that, it was what eight, ten, maybe twelve percent. I think maybe you know you're going to start to see that you know you know come back and you know come back to the middle, yeah. and it, it's now going to become part of you know the delivery of care, right? And so. COVID's done that. I think COVID's also really shown us the inequities of healthcare, mm-hmm. right? Who who is done, right? Um, it, it's you know, poor, you know, low income, multi general, you know, uh, multi generational families mm-hmm. where they have to live together to you know a fair wage. And so I think that COVID's really you know brought that to the forefront. Um, you think about an ecosystem, right? Think yeah. about how we have the hotspot for COVID how we have to diagnose and track those individuals, right? What's the treatment? You know, there's the treatment. Um, there's all these different treatments. How do we actually think about that as an ecosystem, right? Personalize it because different treatments are working for different individuals, right? How do we trace? How do we make sure that we trace? And then how do we actually then, with the vaccines, how do we start to trace, you know, and, and who, uh, you know, who's been vaccinated, who's not? So how, you've got to think about like COVID and how you're managing COVID, not as a silo as each of them, but thinking about all of what I just discussed mm-hmm. as an ecosystem and bringing that all together. You know, think about like Amazon. Amazon is now like going to the forefront and they're probably going to create the vaccination supply chain, right? Because they're using their platform to be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their delivery systems, um, you know, their, their data. Uh, and so there's a disruptor, right? There's somebody yeah. already out there thinking about, you know, when a vaccine comes, how are they going to, you know, deploy this? How are they going to track it? How are they going to trace it? How are they going to deliver it? Hmm. I've got all sorts of questions, and all well, my my mind is going all sorts of directions actually. <laughs> um, just because there's no doubt, there's no doubt that we need to go this direction. There is some doubt that we can. What mm-hmm. what gives you confidence that we can, or that we? I think we can. I, maybe that's not the right question because we have the ability 
the technology is here. There's no doubt that, yeah. that all of this is possible today. Do we have the will? Yeah. Can Will we do it? So, you know, I think that there's two things. One is that I think there's a lot of disruptors and everybody talks about it. Mm -hmm. But think about what Walmart's doing, right? Walmart is, you know, you know building out clinics. Um, yeah. They're doing it, you know, through a partnership with Oak uh, Partners. Um, they're using their super stores, right, to be able to deliver that care. Hmm. Um, they're creating payer and partner payer relationships, right? They already have a pharmacy supply chain. They're going to know a lot about their consumers, and they're going to be able to understand that, right? right? And so, you know, I think they're, you know, Walmart's a great, you know, I think they're a dark horse, right, in in, in disrupting healthcare, right? Hmm. Um, I think. You know, think about Best Buy, right? You know, they are changing, you know, their whole model, right? Um, they are thinking about delivering digital in the home. They're using their geek, geek squad to go into the home. Um, you know, they can provide the assessment. They can create the engagement. They close loop engagement, right? Hmm. They can, you know, create that, um, you know, health, you know, the home health care intelligent pathways. They can manage to the outcomes. So I think you're starting to, you know, see disruptors. You know, it's what? It's 20% of GDP, the $4 trillion business. You know, people will go where the money is, unfortunately, right? And so <laughs> I think there's a lot more individuals that are not just in healthcare trying to drive this. So, you know, I think that, that are, you're starting to see more partnerships between healthcare organizations and some of these bigger disruptors. Mm. Mm. So I think, yeah, they're going to be, I think they're going to be the catalyst, right? <laughs> is, is the key to that catalyzation is it digital you mentioned digital a couple of times in this conversation what's what's the key driver that uh, big organizations like best buy or walmart or amazon have that let's say let's say cigna doesn't so I think I, I think there's digital piece of it. I don't think it's the only thing because um, I, I do think we become we become really focused on that as mm. an industry. Mm -hmm. But um, you know when you think about the disruptors, we just talked about. I just talked about Best Buy. Well, they have a supply chain for the Geek Squad, so they can actually provide people. You know, a, you know Walmart has you know the uh, you know the the the, uh, the physical footprint that they can bring people in. Right. We talked about Amazon doing the supply chain for vaccines, right? So I think there's a the supply chain piece. Hmm. I think there's always a strategy around you know delivering care in a hyper local mar market you know strategy, and you know what that looks like. Um, you know, because what you know when I've done ACO work. What I did in, you know, um, Louisville, Kentucky versus what I did in North Carolina, in the mountains of North Carolina versus what I did in San Francisco versus Sacramento. Mm. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, you have to think about it. There's a little bit of digital there. There's a lot of data there, but it's also just thinking about it from how do I create a continuum of, of providing access. So. I believe digital is one piece, but it's not the only piece. Mm -hmm. And I and I, I do think we're we've gone. We're, there's a lot of hype around it. Um, obviously, we have to drive outcomes, but there's also a personalized piece of delivering healthcare, and we can never get away. I, I don't think we can ever get away from that. Yeah, here, here.
absolutely agree with that. Going back to I don't to... know about you, but I don't want like I don't want a bot diagnosing me. I think they can support, <laughs> you know, like the digital can support better um, you know, better diagnosis, better yeah. treatment plans, but there's an art and a science to delivering healthcare and then you have to bring in the personalization and the care, right? No so question. who's no who's question. one waking up in the middle of the night when your child's dying, your dad's dying? It's the physician, it's the nurses, they're the ones putting their arms around you, right? Yeah. It's not it's not gonna be the computer. There is no <laughs> right. avatar that can do that for you, can they? Yeah. <laughs> So Cynthia, going back to your writing, you've asked a question, how can we shift to a healthcare model that engages the consumer, drives to continuous health engagement, and shifts to an infrastructure for outcomes? So I think with continuing, continuous health engagement, it's not just about the engagement, it's around, it's, it's how you interact, it's the interest of the individual, it's the goals of the individual, it's the actions of the individual, right? So you've got to You've got to marry that all up to be able to engage, you know, you know, an individual, personalize it, right? To that, to that, uh, you know, personalize the message, personalize how I'm going to, you know, reach out to that individual. You know, an older senior, you know, they they might want to go visit their doctor um, versus, you know, a young person that would be happy to just get a text message, right? Mm. So we need to understand that. Um, and, and, and really think about, you know, how, what's the right time, what's the right format, um, and how do we actually bring in their goals uh, into, you know, that continuous health engagement. Um, it's not just around that engagement piece, there's a lot more to it than that. Hmm. And I think, I think, you know, like, I think about the chronic care management programs that have been put in place, right? For a long time, you know, the old disease management, someone would call you every three months and say, how are you doing with your diabetes? You know, then right. we got to the point where, uh, you, know, uh, we, you know, we sent some flyers, right? Uh, we got to the point where, you know, a nurse was calling you. Then we realized that, you know, having, the, having it from the physician's office was, you know, going to get better, you know, uptake, um, you know, from individuals that wanted to manage, you know, diabetes. Now, how we have to think about it is, there's things that we can do from, you know, an online helping people maybe track what they're eating or their calories. Mm. There's also, you know, using the virtual care. Um, I remember 10 years ago when I thought about care management, I loved the idea of telehealth because I felt that the care manager could create even a stronger relationship if they could actually see, see an individual and, and really create that relationship. And now what you've seen, right? With Lavongo yeah. and Teladoc, that's kind of what they they're doing, right? Um, exactly. They're doing the care management, but they're creating that that touch point too, um, where they're you know they're um, you know engaging an individual in a very different way. So that's you know that's going to be the way you know you're going to continuously engage individuals. You also mentioned an infrastructure for outcomes. What's our infrastructure optimized for now, if not for outcomes? I think it's it's cost and profit, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and look, everybody's everybody's going to make money, uh, but uh, I think it's traditionally, um, you know, around cost reduction, um, yeah. and you know, how do I increase my profitability? Um, I think we really need to be thinking about, you know, outcomes at this point of care, right? Mm -hmm. How do we how do we do that? 
as we engage individuals, right? So my example of the prior off, why are we going through these, you know, long processes where somebody's faxing something in or maybe sending it through a portal? And by the way, I'm a doctor and I have to go to 15 different portals. Yeah. Yes, there's investments going on that, you know, I can do a single sign on now, but it's still not doing clinical decisions to point at the point of care where yeah. I'm personalizing it. I don't want to paint picture of a, a healthcare provider or a healthcare payer is the, the greedy caricature that they yep. get painted at, painted as in, uh, in pop culture sometimes. But it's true. There are perverse incentives in healthcare and we just need to keep working on, uh, I guess, flattening those incentives and right. bringing out other incentives that, that are more patient focused. Well, and I don't think it's just the parent and provider too, right? Because there's this whole, these other, you know, um, service organizations, you know, startups, private equity, mm. everybody's getting into the game of healthcare now, right? right. Because it's such a 20% of GDP, right? Exactly. And so how do you, how do you make sure that it's not just aligned around profits, but that you're actually delivering and improving healthcare for an individual? Well, it seems like that question is, it's kind of the ultimate question, right? in my opinion anyway, because it goes back to that perverse incentive. Payers want quality, but they also want lower cost. And I think what right. value-based care does is it allows providers to have that same kind of incentive to align those incentives. Is it, mm -hmm. is it really that simple? Is it really as simple as aligning incentives for the organization that's paying for care and the organization that's providing the care. And I guess the third part of that question is, or the second part of that question is, how does the patient fit in with, with those incentives? Well, I think the patient has to be at the center, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for a long time, I mean, think about hospitals. When they actually thought of their, you know, if you want to call it a consumer, it was the physician that was the consumer. Over the last 10 years now, it's the, it's, it's the patient that's the consumer, right? For sure. Um, and, so, and so I think that patients, individuals, I'm not even going to say patients because there's patients, consumers, and, and, and you know, members, right? We all think about them different. And what, whatever role I'm playing at that point, mm -hmm. I have different, you know, I have different goals in how I'm interacting with the system. Mm -hmm. But as an individual, you know, most, everybody wants to be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know, shifting to high deductible health plans and things like that, we're trying to do that, but, you know, that can create health inequity, right? Because people can't even afford their copay to go in, right? Mm. So I think it has to be, you know, a partnership where individuals want to take over, um, you know, their healthcare. Not everybody wants to, and, you know, you're going to have to provide that prop up. Um, and then the payer and the provider are going to have to support that. Um, and I think, you know, you can start to see maybe health plans that are thinking about this, right? If you're, you're an individual that has diabetes and you're managing it well and you're doing, you know, the things that you're walking every day and you're managing your, uh, you, know, your, you know, your food intake and what you're eating, um, you, know, you might get a lower copay or you might get, a you know, additional, you know, opportunities um, versus somebody that isn't. But the challenge with the ones, the, the individuals that aren't, is that there's an health inequity. There's not access to care, right? And and so we have to think about that too. 
It can't just be around the commercial market. We have to be thinking about uh, the Medi-Cal market. And, you know, we're starting to see a lot more, you know, movement in that. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's some of the things, you know, I'm, I'm working on a project right now. It's probably one of the most interesting projects I've ever worked on. It's probably the most fulfilling. Wow. Uh, that's saying something. A foundation in the city where they're amazing. They. This is San uh, Francisco. Now that we're, we're talking about the yeah. city. This is San Francisco. Okay. Talking San Francisco in the Tenderloin, hmm. highest percentage of population of the homeless. You know, du- dual diagnosis is not triple diagnosis. They they feed 4,000 people a day, even during COVID. Hmm. Hot meals. I mean, they're they're literally packaging it up. I mean, imagine that they are. They are, you know, providing social, you know, social services to help people, you know, get insured. They're helping them, um, you know, navigate um, housing. They are, they have a rehab center for people that are, um, you know, coming out of prison. Hmm. Um, They have a clinic. Um, And so part of this is like, how do we want to reimagine and and envision what we want to do with the homeless, you know, population? Um, which some are, you know, um, insured under Medi-Cal. Um, and homeless is not just people that are on the street. Right. Uh, that's only about 6%. It's people that are living in transitional housing and shelters. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, uh, you know they're, that's where the health inequities are coming from, right? And so how do we actually take the health care and deliver what we need, you know, for them? And so we've come up with different models of, of what we're going to do and how we're going to partner and what we're going to do, you know, from that perspective. And it's, it's just really, you know, it's why I got into healthcare, right? Mm. Um, it's, it's really around, you know, um, you know, just making an impact, making a change. And even if it's just that small, hyper-local, organic change that mm. we can do where we're bringing in all these other services and we're supporting these individuals, um, you know, so they can live a, you know, you know, potentially get off the street, mm. um, get, get, you know, we actually have a tech lab where we're actually training people so, and then we're helping them get employed, That's you know, intriguing. so, you know, it's, it's that whole continuum. Um, you know, you know, it, it really has kind of changed my mind. It's like I work on the public side, right. And I work yeah. on the private side and I, you know, I work with commercial and uh, Medicare and Medi-Cal. And, and so this has just been really insightful. Okay. Let's, let's dig into what those insights are. It, it sounds like you're attacking the homeless problem holistically you're you're right. focusing on not just housing you're focusing on food you're focusing on training you're focusing on health what what, what are the insights that you're pulling out of that what are you learning well i, I think it takes you know a village <laughs> <laughs> um i think that it creates you have to have partnerships not with just you know community care providers but mm. you need partnerships with um, all different organizations, um, you know, not just the health plans, you know, um, you know, w- you know, working with, you know, the UCSF, uh, 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 you know, um, and helping with that. You're also, I think the one key thing, and it's, we're finally getting there is, is we always did medical and behavioral and substance abuse as its own, each were their own silos. Mm. And actually now we need to actually bring that all together mm. and think about it from a coordinated care perspective. And that's for anybody because we have opioid True. crisis, not just in the homeless, we have it in, you know, across all, you know, all markets, mm. all, you know, all socioeconomics. Segments. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I think, 
that's where I see, you know, um, a, a lot of, of uh, you know, um, energy in the market, right? A lot of investments hmm. and positive investments, right? We talked about that, right? Hmm. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's an ecosystem, right? Yes. Uh, and stitching all that together uh, and making it seamless is, uh, is, is fundamental. Hmm. This is really intriguing. I want to go back to uh, talking about the disruptors. We've had a number of disruptors that we've talked about that we've mentioned. COVID is a disruptor. Some of these larger private organizations is, is a disruptor. Uh, Medicare is a constant disruptor within the industry. And it seems like there has to be something big or some big organization that really starts driving things. And and what I'm kind of getting to here, Cynthia, is that I want you to put on your futurist hat because yeah. <laughs> because everyone is in healthcare is talking about this this whole idea of disruption, but until there's there's some organization that comes along and just makes things dead simple and 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 really focuses its energies on the consumer. I don't think we're going to get the kind of disruption that people are hoping for that will right. heal the healthcare system. If you were to build the perfect disruptor, what would it look like? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think, I think I would, I would bring in some very leading edge provider organizations, both, um, academic and community, because I think it's very different and how, how you provide that, bring that together. I think that, you know, I, I don't want to be bound by, you know, what, what I think of today. I think of, um, you know, people that are really succeeding in the retail space, right? That know, they know more about you and me and how we buy than right. anything else. So mm -hmm. why can't we, you know, translate that into how we want to get care? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think, or how we want to care for ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that, you know, again, thinking about how do we use information and digital? Because right now there's just so much data out there, but are we using it to the point that's a, you know that that really is impactful? I think we have little bits and pieces of it, but we've got to think about it on an aggregate perspective, right? And so how do we create partnerships that can think about that? And I don't want to be, I mean, obviously we need to cover this, you know, in the sense of like, who's going to pay for it and that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't, I think we get so bound in that, that we don't, um, we don't think, you know, more global around how we're going to solve this problem. And I think there's a piece that's, you know, Engaging the consumer, um, you know, holding the consumer a little bit more accountable, um, and 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 getting you know people probably spend more time, you know, online looking at buying a car than they do looking at buying health insurance. Yeah, I know that's real. true, right? Mm -hmm. I know the studies. So <laughs> I'm kind of you know superiorly going through this and thinking, you know, I I keep going to I think that there's a couple companies that are just really going to try to disrupt, right? Mm. I think the Walmart, um, I think um, 
potentially Amazon. Um, I'm not I'm not sure where Haven is in, uh, from that perspective right now. I haven't seen a lot of innovation out of that. Mm. Um, I think that there's some uh, traditional health organizations, you know, like Optum, even though I came there, I, I do think that they continue to innovate. They look for interesting partnerships. Mm. Um, they're very focused on the health inequities. Um, you know, so I think you know, they could be a dark horse. Um, they're the ones that come to mind right now. Um, but it's, it's really going to be around who's willing to partner mm-hmm. uh, to make the changes because nobody's going to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, for real. And that goes back to the ecosystem idea and making it all seamless. You can't really do it from one side of the health industry. It has to go across yeah. the spectrum, doesn't it? Right. And I even think about like the state of California and some of the things they're working on from the Medi-Cal perspective. And it's like, I was so surprised with how I needed to navigate it when I went in to work with this foundation. And um, it was just like, I had to talk to somebody about mental health. And then I had to talk to somebody about substance abuse. And I had to talk about somebody, um, you know, uh, medical, you know, and and all of the different uh, waivers and you know, they were all over the place. And now they're trying to say, how do we bring that all together to have a vision to bring that together, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of it may be driven by some of the government. And then yeah. some of it, I think, is going to be some of these, you know, these innovators that maybe have a little bit of deeper pockets that can make the investments. Because um, one thing I do think COVID's done is that hopefully we're not just bound by, you know, the you know, the, um, the stock market and what's going to happen three months from now and the yeah. sense of our earnings. Mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see people realize that you need to think longer term. So COVID's kind of made people stop and think, what's my long-term strategy mm. versus what's my three-month strategy? Okay, you've touched on this yeah. a little bit earlier, but I want to ask this question specifically. What difference do you hope to make personally? I think breaking down the barriers um, is going to be, you know, num- number one for me, right? Get uh, now that I've I've, I've worked uh, with the Medi-Cal programs and and you know uninsured before, but I think we've got to really think about, um, you know, health because I, I don't the health in- inequities. Yeah. And by the way, Don, I was going to. Healthcare for all, but I I don't think that it's a it's a one payer system, right? Right. I think it's gotta gotta be multiple people, and so for me, being able to bridge across all of that and kind of driving that change and impacting um, impacting even if it's just you know a few lives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that's you know what's going to be important. I, I love that, and if if I can just uh, opine a little bit. You know, you mentioned healthcare for all, and I've I've been pretty outspoken on this program about my thinking behind that is that if you've got one big organization that's that's changing everything for everybody, and everyone's turning to that one organization for answers, it's it's not going to go well. But I think one of the right. things that makes this economy run well, and where, where the rising tide floats all boats, is that we find win wins. Uh, your right. your uh, your example of what's happening in the tenderloin, you know, obviously you're going to have some government investment in that, but I don't think 
this is just my guess, but I don't think that's happening without some private investment either. And right. why, why would they, why would they do that? Would they do that just for a tax reduction? Right. Eh, maybe, I don't know, but I think there's probably some right. other win-win that they can have. And that's where the whole idea behind bringing in partners from across the spectrum is, is really going to make the biggest difference as we try to create this ecosystem out of, uh, right. out of what we have right now. Right, because I, you know, I, I have personal experience with the Medicare. Uh, my dad died two years ago mm. of cancer, and I, I, I you know, um, first of all, you know, I don't think he had access to the greatest health care because um, it was it was more rural, yeah. um, and um, and I think with Medicare, he sort of doctor shops, right? And even though I have family that's physicians, and I'm in it. You know, we didn't realize how bad it was, right? Mm. Um, until you know he got diagnosed, and it was five weeks later, right? And so, mm. I I believe that like care coordination, and had somebody been actually overseeing all his care, he it might have been a different outcome because mm. this was probably a year and a half of him going to his doctors, and everybody nobody coordinated. Right. <laughs> there was no integration. There was no mm. you know, and um, and so I'm really passionate around. How do we actually look at it and, and coordinate that care and, and, and have those highlights when something doesn't seem right, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and I'm not sure that Medicare does that. They don't, right? right. This is where yeah. Medicare Advantage is coming in. This is mm -hmm. where managed care, Medicaid managed care. This is where, you know, commercials and ACOs are, are coming in, right? Because you're trying to coordinate the care. And you're stitching all of that information together, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't eating. He wasn't, uh, you know, he was coughing. He had lost weight. Well, that's the first sign of like probably cancer. And that was the last thing they looked at for him. Everything, yeah. they did all these other procedures prior to that. So I think if somebody had been looking at it more globally, I, you know, I think, you know, we would have been able to probably get him to a top-notch university um, and, uh, and, and, and gotten the care he needed. Hmm. So yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of Medicare for all. <laughs> well, you can, cut, you can cut, cut out whatever you want in there, but <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to come from somewhere. Right. Well, and, it, and, and you're seeing the innovation come from the private sector and the, the, you know, I live in San Francisco, just some of the really interesting venture, you know, you know, companies and, yeah. and how to let, you know, how do you stitch those together into a bigger ecosystem? Right. Because mm. it's, you know, as I said before, personalizing it. So maybe this diabetes program works for this person and maybe it's, you know, a different for another person. And, you know, there's two companies that do it, but hey, you know what? There's enough people that have diabetes. There's enough people that have cancer. There's enough people, there's enough illness to go around. So, yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to give my condolences about your father. And I think I think just about everybody has a story like that, whether we're in healthcare or not. Yeah. We all have a stake in it. We all have skin in the game. We all want to see the system work better um, for all of us. So I think uh, you're doing great work, and I appreciate you sharing some of that work. Cynthia, I asked you to come on the show because I wanted a wide-ranging, thought-provoking discussion, and I think we got it. So thank you so much. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, well, you can find me on LinkedIn under Cynthia Kilroy, or um, my email address is 
Kilroy, K-I-L-R-O-Y at CynthiaKilroy.com. Fantastic. Well, keep up the great work and best of luck. 